Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello Buglers, I am Andy Zaltzman. Welcome to Bugle issue 4275, sub-episode A for Abort Mission to do a full Bugle episode this week. Why is there no full episode this week? Well, I blame time. There isn't enough of it these days, and it never stops the remorseless little shitbag that it is. Normally, I do reach a vague rapprochement with time, whereby it lets me record a bugle, with the trade-off that I don't then also have time to invent more dance moves. But this week, uh, no luck. The little clock-waggling life interferer simply ran out. However, we do have a very special treat for you from our recent live show in London. We dedicated a whole section to the extravaganza that is the United Kingdom in 2023, and you can hear it in full in this sub-episode. Over the next 25 minutes, we will bring you the full smorgasbord of life and politics in Britain today. Shoplifting, accusations of wokery, dishonest MPs, and the biggest question of all, what's better, Britain or vampires? If you are a premium-level voluntary subscriber to The Bugle, you will get to hear the first of our subscriber-only Ask Andy episodes in which I will field your questions with my version of answers. If you are not currently a voluntary subscriber and would like to become one and thus elevate yourself to a higher plane of human life, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button and thus you will help keep this nearly 16-year-old podcast free, flourishing and independent as it enters the second twelfth of its scheduled 192-year lifespan. You will also earn the right to fire me questions for future Ask Andys, which will take place on a monthly basis. OK, I will now pass over to me, Chris Addison and Alice Fraser from just a couple of weeks ago, live in London's renowned London district. Right, let's crack on. We have the best thing ever competition. Um, round one clash. Um, there's, yes, you've got to get through 22 rounds to win um, from all 1.3 trillion things in the universe. Uh, and we started it last November. Um, already through to round two, the enchilada, uh, the minibus, magnetic whiteboards and sliced bread. <laughs> Although it didn't have quite as comfortable a round one victory as his reputation suggested it would. Um, <laughs> Pushed surprisingly hard by an episode of the 1980s cop drama Cagney and Lacey. Who'd have thought that? <laughs> but we have, what a clash we have for you today here at uh, The Bugle Live. We have the Unicycle versus Britain versus Vampires versus the M6 Motorway. Um, and we'll even let you, the audience, have a vote at the end. I mean, I think we can rule out the Unicycle straight away. Um, sorry yeah. if I offend any professional unicyclists in, but... Yeah, but it's obviously half as good as a cycle, so... Yeah, exactly. Um... Uh, it, well, unicycling has been ruled out of the next two Olympics. Um, Olympics? Yes. I think you'll find it's Olympuses. <laughs> um, they were trying for straight unicycle racing and unicycle jousting as a combat sport, sadly. I mean, I'd watch it. Uh, but um, the M6. Have we got any M6 fans in? Um, Chris. Yeah, you... M6 till I die, man. Yes. Um... On the M6. Yeah, which is, yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> since they turned it into smart motorways. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you, uh, you grew up in, uh, in Manchester. In, in the service station. Nuts for services. grew up in nuts for services. And, um, and, you know, I've got to say, you know, we, we, had our, we had our good times, our bad times. Yeah. We, you know, we really, sometimes when the boys from Sandbatch came up, <laughs> we'd have a rumble. But... Um, <laughs> It was all going well for us till T-Bay came along, and then uh, 
took all the glory. Um, but sadly, I think the M6 is out of contention. I don't know if you've ever been on the M6. It's, a, it's, it's Britain's longest motorway, Alice. 230 miles. Can you, as an Australian, can you imagine a road 230 miles long? That's my driveway. <laughs> um, but sadly, it was voted Britain's shittest motorway recently. I don't know if you saw this news. It came bottom of the motorway popularity league. Um, genuinely, they... Fix. They, no, Fix. <laughs> no. Bullshit. They it, I mean, it's a famous motorway. It's, uh, it's, host, it's famous for hosting the Charnock Richard service station. Only, only a couple of fans in. I thought, thought there'd be more. Oh, uh, also, yeah. yeah, well, exactly. It also, it's been used by a range of celebrities, the M6, uh, ranging from David Beckham and uh, rock band Def Leppard um, to former monarch the Queen, um, who did Birmingham to Carlisle in a horse and cart in under two hours. F***ing sensational. She was mad, absolutely magic. Um, and the children's TV pioneer, Wurzel Gummidge, the um, former scarecrow famously snapped by paparazzi in a stretch limousine with fellow TV character Supergran en route to a secret Lake District hotel assignation in the 1980s. But, um, <laughs> but the M6 has sadly fallen on hard times, uh, particularly because they turned some of it into smart motorways, which have proved very unpopular with motorway fans, who've not responded positively to its combination of annoying, dangerous, unpredictable and condescending. Um, <laughs> But to, because it turns out that people sitting stationary in, in a traffic jam going at zero miles an hour do not appreciate being told that the speed limit has been dropped from 70 miles an hour to 60 miles an hour because of f***ing traffic. Um, but as Britain's bottom-ranked motorway, the M6 now faces a relegation playoff against the top-ranked A roads, the A303. And um, if it loses, there are fears that the M6 could tumble down the road leagues without the funding of being a motorway and end up as a barely drivable one-lane country road within five or six seasons. Uh, it'll be like the M17 all over again. The M17, you say, I haven't heard of that. Well, exactly. Yeah. It's now just buckets close and unloved cul-de-sac on the outskirts of Snutterbridge. Sad to see. Um, so I think the M6 is out of it, which leaves us with Britain versus vampires. Now, which is better? Let's take a quick straw poll before we, we show the, you the evidence, the current evidence. Who thinks Britain is better than vampires? Yeah. And who thinks vampires are better than Britain? Yeah. To put it in context, you're asking that question in a subterranean lair. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's not looking good for Britain. It could be knocked out in the first round. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. I wouldn't know. Like, like the 2014 World Cup all over again. Um, too soon. Um, <laughs> so, well, let's start with let's start with Britain, uh, which is, uh, I mean, having a little bit of a troubled millennium so far, I would say. So, not started tremendously well. But then the last one didn't start that well for us either. Within what seven decades or stuff, we've we've been taken over by the Normans, and things have never really recovered, to be honest. Um, um, and uh, well, the state of Britain at the moment, uh, we are facing another epidemic, um, according to the boss of John Lewis. Uh, so soon after the, the COVID epidemic, we're now facing a shoplifting epidemic. Um, there's no vaccine as of yet. Um, and we don't know whether to shut down or go the Swedish route this time. Who knows? Um, retail thefts were up by 26% last year. And so soon after the museum lifting scandal as well, it's, uh, it's very, uh, very concerning. I mean, is this just our natural heritage Absolutely. coming out? You know, our great national tradition of nicking shit. Listen, as Napoleon once said, 
Britain is a nation of shoplifters. <laughs> I do feel that these modern shoplifters lack ambition, right? Okay, you've shown us that you can half-inch nappies and a pack of batteries, fine. But big deal, they're light, they're easy to carry. You can't just keep nicking the same things. You've got to move on. You've got to keep challenging yourself or you really don't grow as a shoplifter. Maybe move on to like multi-packs of own brand lager, a bit more unwieldy, a bit more of a challenge. Once you've aced that, how about going into Wix and trying to nick a sink? Are we? Brazenly walk to the back of an optician's and lift one of those machines that puffs air into your eye for no other reason that I can see than for the amusement of the, everyone who works there. <laughs> Incidentally, just as an aside, have you ever had sex with an optician? They're very needy. It's so off-putting. Are you enjoying this? Is this good? How about now? And now? How about now? What if I turn this over? How about now? I saw my optometrist the other day, which made him a bit redundant. <laughs> Just, just, just to hold you on this uh, encouraging shoplifters to up their game uh, role, yeah. are you slow walking us into the British Empire? <laughs> Worked last time. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shots have tried a number of uh, anti-shoplifting measures, including offering free coffee to police officers and having a security guard in a pantomime cow outfit wandering up and down the meat aisle. And that's more to make people feel guilty than to stop them nicking stuff, but... Um, just it, one security guard in the cow outfit. <laughs> is it the bottom or the top? Well, well, I mean, apparently it's cutting into the profits here. You have Primark, yeah. famous fast fashion, slow morals brand. Uh, it's been hit with this rash. N- not, uh, I mean, it's to be expected that it would have a rash, but not from <laughs> its workers this time. Um, or from the horrible cl- chemicals with which they impregnate the cloth they use. But... Uh, I, I feel like I, I would like to victim-blame Primark here for devaluing labour so much that this feels like a victimless crime. <laughs> uh, have, have any of you in here ever shoplifted anything? <laughs> <laughs> what? What did you go for? Chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate. Right, arrest this man. Um, well, the thing is, I mean, you've got, you've got to... Cause we, we have, it's not just shoplifting. You, we need to set an example. Because we've got a great problem with... You know, big companies not paying enough tax, we see corruption in politics. But we have trickle-down economics, but we have trickle-up morality. And as long as this guy is nicking <laughs> chocolate bars from the corner shop or from Sainsbury's or whatever, as long as... Does anyone here ride a bike? Yeah? And um, have, you ever, you, have you ever gone through a red light? No. Liar. <laughs> you know, until people like you are obeying traffic signals, how can we expect... Our politicians, <laughs> not to say, you know, we have to set an example that they will follow. So, um, anyway, I mean, <laughs> moving on. So, uh, one of the big stories of the last, last no, I, week or so. Hang on, before, before we move on, I, I think this bears saying, right, because you're being very down on shoplifting yeah. here, but I think it's just good to see new skills developing. You know, it does seem like finally we're seeing signs of the new Britain emerging that we've been promised post-Brexit. I do, I do feel that shoplifting is all very well, but if we're going to have a proper British post-EU crime wave, we need to be incentivising highwaymen. That's the next step. <laughs> Just haven't seen that many around in the last couple of centuries. Fortunately, all the roads are going to shit, and if fuel inflation carries on the way it's going, pretty soon the cheapest way to get around will be by horse-drawn carriage. So conditions will be pretty ripe for their return. <laughs> That's going to have the knock-on beneficial effect of reviving the British cape and three-cornered hat industries. <laughs> Not to mention revivifying the dying craft of hanging bodies in gibbets by the roadside. (laughs) 
sure schools are falling down, but do we need to rebuild them? Couldn't we just encourage urchins, sorry, children, <laughs> to form gangs of singing pickpockets run by men in really bad prosthetic noses? It's the British way. <laughs> um, another problem we're facing as a nation now is obviously, and this, comes, this isn't from me, this is from none other than our Deputy Prime Minister, does, uh, yes, does anyone know who he is? It's Oliver Dowden. Ah. <laughs> he is Deputy Prime Minister. We now have Grant Shapps as our last line of defence against invasion uh, as our Defence Secretary. Oliver Dowden. Um, oh, there's, there's Shapsy. Um, we'll come to him in a bit. Uh, the, uh, Oliver Dowden, Deputy Prime Minister, has warned that we need to be clear-eyed in this country about the threat that China poses to this, nation. this is, however, the same Oliver Dowden who claimed that the West as a whole was being weakened, he said this last year, was being weakened not by um, you know, its endemic corruption, not by the uh, short-termism of its attitude to the world, but by pe some people wanting to use different pronouns. So he doesn't always throw his darts of blame into the trouble 20 of truth. But... Um, He's very worried about the threat China poses because they've infiltrated none other than the Conservative Party, um, an alleged spy within the Tory party. I don't know how in the Tory party they tell the difference between a potential spy and a useful billionaire. It's, you know, it's very much like trying to tell the difference between a penguin and a bollard when you're driving across Antarctica in a snowstorm. It's so... They look so alike sometimes. Um... Are you terrified about the, uh, you know, I mean, there could be Chinese. Is anyone in here tonight a Chinese spy? Yeah, so we've got about the same number of shoplifters as Chinese spies in today. Which, um, you worried about you it? Know, the, the guy who was arrested has protested his innocence, which, to be fair, is what a spy would do. But so many of these... Yeah, it's also what a, someone who isn't a spy would do as well. So that makes it so Potato, hard, potato, it? Andy. <laughs> <laughs> So many of these sleeper agents spend so long undercover before they're activated that even they don't know they're spies. It could be any of us here. Well, not Andy, because he's very clearly a British agent tasked with spying on the former empire. Went to Oxford, head for remembering numbers and stats, a cover job that legitimately allows him to travel the Commonwealth. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> but anyone else could be a Chinese spy and not even know it. So in case you're worried it might be you, here's a quick quiz to help you determine whether you are in fact a Chinese spy. Okay, question one. You are served spring rolls in a restaurant. Do you A, lick your lips and eat them greedily, B, worry that you're going to fill up on this shit before the real deal arrives, or C, immediately dismantle them and check inside for instructions? <laughs> You and your partner decide to build a fancy middle-class garden building. Is it A, an office, B, a gym, C, a nine-storey pagoda with a big gong in it? <laughs> Where do you feel you are most likely to encounter a waving cat? A, a Pixar movie, B, one of the many animals do the funniest thing Instagram accounts you follow, C, the massive collection of white porcelain ones all round your kitchen. <laughs> Finally, what are your feelings about pandas? A, they're cute, B, you're ambivalent, C, if you see another one of those fluffy bastards eating the bamboo out of your garden again, you're going to run at it with a Changdao sword. If the answers are mainly C, you may want to check in with MI5 on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
interesting that the uh, the graphics went halfway through that bit. Are we, well, what does right. that tell you? Yeah. You didn't put money in the meter. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, Alice, that's think, a very aging joke, man. <laughs> do, do you think we should be? Because I mean, you look at the state of Britain. Should we be flattered that China can still be asked to send even a half-assed twenty-five-year-old fucking spy to do some basic espionage on us? I mean, it's always nice that someone's interested, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Guess so. Um, there are a lot of concerns about Chinese influence in our politics, with the danger that it could result in infrastructure projects being completed on time. <laughs> within budget. So, um, albeit with certain human rights um, issues in the laybys. Um, uh, but British scientists are hopeful that a new home testing kit will soon be available to help you tell if you're not a... So I've got a prototype of it here. You just have to breathe into it. Um, you wait five minutes for the result. And then if you scuttle straight off to a secret room and send a message to Beijing in Morse code on an encrypted phone line about your test result, you are probably a spy. So that's <laughs> it. Um, there's another thing Britain is under threat from, and this, this isn't from Oliver Dowden, this is from Grant Chaps, the aforementioned uh, Grant Chaps. Uh, let me introduce him properly. Grant Tholomew Chapucadnezar, slayer of foes, bulwark against the forces of evil, claw hammer of never-ending justice... Defence Secretary of the Ironclad Heart. Um. I, li- I like that in these two pictures, on the left-hand side, he looks like he's about to do the thing that he's regretting on the right-hand side. <laughs> well, I don't know. You might want to see that the detail here. That's, that's his name badge that says Michael Green, isn't it? So that was his, in, in one of his alter egos. Does that mean that he's a spy or... I think he's beyond the level of incompetence to be recruited for... But he is our Defence Secretary, um, and he's warned that our entire British defence industry is threatened by ethical investing. (laughs) That pause and confused laughter is the correct response. Um, (laughs) So basically, if if you bank ethically or invest your money ethically, rather than in British defence companies. If you choose not to allow your money to fund the slaughter of children, you are risking British safety. (laughs) Um, I mean, he says it poses a greater threat, worse than the Romans, the Normans and the Vikings. He's not not said that, but he might as well have done. It's... um, (laughs) Ethical inv- I mean, how great a threat is people applying morality to economics? Well, I mean, I just love that it's a warning rather than the exact thing that people intended to do when deciding to invest ethically. Like, this is what voting with your wallet looks like. If people wanted to invest in weapons development or the British defence industry, they would. The fact that a huge chunk of the British economy and foreign policy are based on creating and selling weapons and then selling the solutions or counter-weapons to those weapons is maybe the thing that people might have the moral objection to. It just seems genuinely inconceivable to these people that a moral objection might not be overridden by an economic argument. (laughs) But to be fair, it is a lot of money that they're talking about. (laughs) Just think about how many children's hospitals we could build with the money we'd make selling weapons to people who want to bomb children's hospitals. (laughs) And have you considered that those children are so foreign while our children are so local? <laughs> I thought you worksters were into local produce. 
And speaking of local produce, are you suggesting weapons should be built and developed overseas? Think of the carbon footprint. <laughs> are you suggesting that applying capitalist business growth incentives to constant escalation of weapons technology, even the absence of your nation being actively at war with anyone, might itself cascade into perverse incentives to cultivate or create foreign wars? Oh, that's absolutely what you're suggesting, I see. <laughs> But have I mentioned money, though? <laughs> and how delicious money is. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is just to do with branding, because I have these arm fairs at the XL every year, or every couple of years or something, and they are, the next one is to make it a bit more exciting for kids who might end up working for the arms trade. They're rebranding it as Little Johnny Bang Bang's Boom Bam Bastic Death Tech Jamboree, which should get them... Um, <laughs> So I think that's better, isn't it, Chris? I think it's all about, you know, it's just about projecting the right image, isn't it? Well, look, first of all, being lectured by Grant Shapps on ethics is like being lectured by David Beckham on the evils of tattoos. <laughs> Secondly, defence companies need funding. Are they not the richest bastards around? Do they not make Jeff Bezos look like some bloke who runs a corner shop? What investment could they possibly need? But if we're going to take it at face value, this is about the ESG ratings of defence companies. ESG is a measure of the sustainability of a company and its output. And the letters ESG stand for Environmental, Social and Governance. So to be fair, let's consider the defence industry in each of those terms. Environmentally could not be more sound. It is one of the few industries actively tackling the issue of overpopulation. <laughs> Admittedly, it's doing that in quite a localised way, concentrating on the number of people still alive in, say, the Donbass or Syria. But you have to start somewhere. <laughs> From a social point of view, the industry really brings people together, often in mass graves or to memorial services, but that's just quibbling. And... They are incredibly inclusive. They're as happy to provide the means of massacring people of colour as they are white people. Perhaps even more. <laughs> Most of their work currently is being done in Africa and there aren't many companies you can say that about that don't either involve China trying to extract raw minerals or the staff wondering who should be CEO now that Yevgeny Prigozhin's been fallen out of a plane. <laughs> And as for governance, not unlike the current British cabinet, I don't really know what that means, so I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> um, see, we need, we, need to, we need to crack on a bit more. Well, just, just quickly, there was, I mean, a Brexit story. Uh, I don't know if you're enjoying... Have you um, been enjoying Brexit so far? Um, <laughs> don't worry, it'll come good in the next, what, thousand years, I think? Um, yeah, like, like Hitler's Reich. <laughs> which also had a few teething problems in the yeah. first decade or so. Um, <laughs> uh, but Brexiteers are very cross at the moment because at the last night of the proms, the most uh, British of ceremonies, people <laughs> were waving EU flags. Um, and there's been... Uh, yeah, outcry, according to uh, the, um, uh, the newspaper reports. Um, I mean, this is... Uh, well, it's fucking hilarious, isn't it? The, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, is this... Because um, have you found any good benefits from Brexit so far? Because, I mean, I, I was strongly opposed to Brexit um, mm. for numerous reasons, for you know, social reasons, economic reasons. I thought it was you know, better for Britain to stay part of the EU... Um, and I, you know, I wanted my children to grow up the same opportunities to travel and, and, and work in Europe that I never really took advantage of. And, <laughs> but that said, I'm a British political comedian. It's going to give me six decades of material, so I did vote leave. But, but so... 
Um, I mean, what have you found? What have been the good bits for you so far? Could you, Chris, in, um, when you're editing this together, could you just put the sound of tumbleweed at this point? <laughs> that would be great. When I read this story, um, and I thought, absolutely everyone involved in it can f*** right off. <laughs> Every single one of them needs to get a f***ing grip. There's actual shit going on that requires our attention and energy, and Battle of the Smuggos is not it. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. The H stands for Hebrew. They keep that quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not unsympathetic to the Remainer cause. Remainer through and through me, if you cut me open, I'd complain that it's a bad time to cut me open as A&E waiting times have really gone up after Brexit. <laughs> seriously, guys, what did you think that would show? The crowd at the last night of the proms are a bit Remainery. It's like showing the crowd at a Metallica concert are likely to have later-life hearing issues. <laughs> All it did was get Harvey Proctor and Isabel Oakshot and all those other perma-furious lather merchants frothed <laughs> up again. Honestly, it felt like being a young parent again. We just got them to sleep. Why would you wake them up? <laughs> what is their problem anyway? They won. Why are they so cross all the time? They don't need geopolitical solutions to imagined problems. They need any two of A, therapy, B, a hug, and C, a restraining order. <laughs> The big three. I mean, you, you say the, the NHS waiting list. It's actually, there's been some good news on the waiting list. Oh, yeah? Um, well, they have gone through the psychologically crucial 7.7 million barrier. Because at 7.6 million, you can see yourself being treated within 30 years, but 7.7 million just feels so distant. Um, but two out of five people have said that their health worsened whilst they were on an NHS waiting list. And this is good news for me. Uh, because it surely means that making people wait is flushing out the three out of five who are perfectly f***ing fine. You know, if your health is getting worse, that's simply proof you do genuinely need treating. So we just need to rebrand it. It's not a waiting list, it's just an illness confirmation list. That's the... Um, <laughs> and um, you know, so much of it is it's all about, it's all about you know, how you use language. I mean, there's a lot of euphemisms. We talked about inventory shrink with uh, shoplifting. And, you know, what some people call a weaponised instrument of fear that can unleash mayhem on an uncontrollable whim, eyes burning, mouth frothing, bursting with murderous intent, sl uh, thirsting to slake its bloodlust for the taste of raw flesh, other people call a doggy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you for listening to this sub-episode. Do strap in for the first Ask Andy coming your way very soon, which will feature questions submitted at the live show by the live audience. We will be back with a regular episode next week featuring Nato Green and Alice Fraser. Until then, goodbye, and do join the voluntary subscription scheme. Seriously, it keeps the show alive. And, and fire us your questions for future Ask Andys. Goodbye.